Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Well, I am so glad that you're at church, and I understand we even have somebody in the room tonight that has been watching online from uh, the Shelby prison, and he is excited to be in the house tonight as he is out of jail. We're so glad that God is so good and so faithful, and, uh, and it doesn't matter your past. All that matters is putting your future in his hands. Amen. Amen. Well, I was, as we were singing one of those songs just a few moments ago, I was thinking about the idea of our perspective change series that we're in right now. And I'm thinking as, as they're singing this song about, about the victory is yours and kingdoms rise and fall. And then that line in there that says you're riding on the storm. And all of a sudden, like that really hit me tonight because it made me think about so many times there's storms in our lives where we feel like man, God must be taking shelter with us, right? Like it's pouring down rain, it's thunder, it's lightning, and, and we all just got to go and find shelter. But this song, I think, is so accurate because God is riding on the storm, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he's like on top of the storm going, I got this, right? And I think some of you needed to hear that tonight because you need a perspective change. You feel like the storm is overwhelming and like God is, is freaking out right alongside you. And God is not freaking out. Amen. He's got it. Yep. So my prayer for you tonight is that that's not what I'm preaching on this evening, but that you would have, a, even through our worship, you'd have a perspective change, that you'd begin to understand how good God is. Last weekend, we spent a little bit of time looking at uh, one of the stories of Elisha, and Elisha is is uh, in this position where there's a king that's out to get him and the king sends all these men to, to knock him out. But Elisha had already been helping the children of Israel win victory after victory after victory because he was listening to God. And so last weekend we talked about God's word and how important it is inside of our lives because the children of Israel missed out on a lot of battles that they didn't ever have to fight because they were obedient. And so we talked about that for a little bit, about for you and I, how many battles do we get into that we were never intended to be in because we're being disobedient to, to his word? And then after that, we saw that Elisha uh, comes out of the tent and the armies have surrounded him and his servant is freaking out and he's like, he's like hey, you know what? Open my servant's eyes because there's so many more of, of us than there are of them. And I hope that over this last week, whatever you're going through, that if you're struggling, that you'd understand that God has given you already what you need to be able to see things through his perspective. And so we need to start leaning into that. When things get hard and it feels like, I don't know if I'm going to be overwhelmed, if things are going to take me down, if the enemy is going to win, can I just tell you right now that if you'll just trust in God, there's more of him than there is of any enemy that could ever come against you. And so tonight we're going to spend a little bit of time and we're going to look at God's word again. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So as we look at this verse, Paul is praying that, you, that we would have perspective that we would begin to understand how great this God is that we serve. He's reminding us of how big he is. And I hope that through this series, you will come to a place where you truly do begin to grasp and understand the bigness of your God. Don't let small-minded people keep you from believing big things for your life. We can surround ourselves with people who will tell us all the why nots. How many of you know we've got a God who's, who, when he says why not, he means why not? Why can't you do that? Why isn't that possible for you? Doesn't matter what your past is. If you put your, your faith and your trust in God, he can do exceeding abundant above anything that you could ever ask or hope for. Verse 19 says this, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. God, right now we just pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts today. God, we're so grateful for what you're doing. And Lord, even as we just watched that little February recap video that talked about the, the, the tremendous things that you've already done. But God, we come into this house with expectation of even more. Because God, you can do more than we could ever hope or imagine. Your word tells us that. So Father, I just pray for those who sit in this house or those who are watching in Star Valley or Alaska or Malawi or in jail tonight or in the state uh, penitentiary. God, I just pray, Father, that right now you would speak to our hearts and that, God, our perspective will change, that we'll understand how great you are and how great is your love for us and how great are your plans for us. And, God, that, that it is true that our past does not define us, but that, Lord, our creator does define us. So, God, we just praise you for that tonight, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as we look at this verse, I wanted to read it to you up front because I want, you to, to, I want to dare you to look at your source, to look at the God that you serve, to understand that this God that loves you is also your source. He's the one that has no limitations. I heard a pastor once make a statement that the church is a very unique entity. It is a place where everyone is welcome and everyone can come and they can give whatever they want of their time or their resources. There's no expectation. Can you imagine if, if there was a concert that was coming to town and it's your favorite band and you're excited to go see them and you get online to buy the tickets and it says, no charge, you can give whatever you want at the door. How many of you know that you'd be pretty excited about that, right? The church is a weird entity, is it not? That you can just come and, but the problem with that often is that oftentimes we treat the church as though it's a consumable. It's something that we're just here to consume. And that's why you see people, they'll jump from church to church to church. They'll go from this church because they like the way it is right now, and then they'll go to the next one because that sounds better in the moment. Can I tell you the church was never meant to be a restaurant? Amen? The church is family. So when we talk about church, we're talking about like, this is our family. We need to be with each other. We need to stand with each other. 
So as we're talking about this today, I want to take just a few moments and I want to change your perspective maybe on something. And I want, to, I, I want to challenge you as a believer to come to a place where you become a bringer. Now, we're going to start with just bringing yourself. Because I think that now we live in a time and a season where, where church has become something uh, and, and outreach and participation in, in what the church is doing has become this thing that is a, uh, it's a possibility. It's, it's on the list. It's something that maybe I'll do if it's convenient. But when it's inconvenient, we choose not to do it. And, and I just want you to know that scripturally, that isn't sound. We are to come together. We're not to neglect the coming together. And I understand that we went through a COVID season where because of that, everything was online. And, and many people just got used to that. I've had people just say to me, and people that were, that were solid, they would come to church every weekend. And they say to me now, oh, we just got used to watching church in our pajamas on Sunday morning. And so we, we just like that now. And it's our, it's our family time. And I want to tell you right now, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're to come together and we're to be together and we're to worship together and we're to serve together. And some of you have come into the house and you've been coming for a little while. What I love is, is every, every Tuesday we sit down as a staff and, and we go over different things. But one of the things that we talk about is what new people have been coming. And, and we, this last week we were looking at there's so many people that have just come over the last month or two. And they're already like finding their place and getting involved and serving. I think that's amazing. And I just want to tell you right now that if you want to experience the fullness of what God has for you, part of that is not only bringing yourself to church, but bringing yourself to the outreaches, bringing yourself to come and to serve your church family. I also want to encourage you that you are to bring your resources, and that is your time and your energy. So as we are calling on people to serve, uh, you know, there's probably not a single ministry in this church that if I was to say, hey, I got somebody who's interested in serving in your ministry, I bet there's not one leader that would say, oh, no, we're full up, we're good. <laughs> not a single one. on. We're always looking for more people to serve. And so some of you may be like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got what it takes to serve. Can I tell you, there are ministries that if, if you are brand new and, and you're brand new to River, we got places that we can let you serve. If you have been, if you've accepted Christ and you're walking this thing out and you're concerned, well, I don't know if I know, we will place you exactly where we think is the best placing for you. But there's something that's so fulfilling about being somebody that comes and they're not just taking, but they're giving. So I'm going to challenge you to be a bringer. Bring your time and your, and your energy to something. Because today, I mean, I, this place was crazy again today. I, Hands of Hope was out before I even got here. And they are out, and, they, and I think they went to, they served five families. They brought furniture to five different families today. And, and Hope Beacon went out today, and they went, and they, they served our homeless population. And, they, and they, I don't know how many people that they touched, but they had a, an amazing opportunity there today. Our food bank was giving out food. And, and it's just, it's one thing after the other after the other. And they all could use more help. And tonight, we got, we got amazing people that are down at that other end so that you can sit in this room and you can pay attention. Those of you with kids, you understand what it is to go somewhere where you've got to be mindful of what your children are doing. Well, not only are your children being watched at that end, but they're being taught at that end. 
And so I want to challenge you, be a bringer of yourself and your resources because there's plenty of opportunities for you to do just that. But tonight I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk about bringing your tithe. Now, for some of you, you're like, oh, great, here we go. Oh. I, have, I have pastor friends, that's how, that's how they feel when they're going to talk about giving. I, I, I had a, actually a pastor friend that asked me to come and talk on giving at his church because he said, I don't want to do it. So I did. Because I like to talk about it. Why? Because we need to change our perspective. When, when your perspective is, oh, they're talking about giving because the church is broke or because they're hurting or because the pastor wants, you know, whatever, a new car or whatever it is, um, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. We're doing it because the scripture says this is important. And for us, if we'll understand that, then we set ourselves into a place where we're exactly where God wants us to be. It's like anything else that we read as we look at God's promises. This is an area where it's the only area in Scripture that God says, hey, I want you to test me in this area because I'll prove it to you. Why do you think God did that? Because he knew this is going to be an area that most people struggle. And it's amazing because even Jason got up here and said that, and most of the people that will come up and take the offering at some point will say, I had a time in my life where it was a struggle. I understand that. But I also understand that our perspective shift this weekend could be huge for you. We often see God as someone over here and not our supplier. But the word says that he's Jehovah Jireh, my, my provider. That he's the one that provides for me. But can I tell you that I think that even within the church, we've gotten to a place where many worship the provision and not the provider. We've gotten to a place where, where I'm going to have you bring that up to me if you would, Jason, where we have come to a place where we, uh, we, have, we have made this thing uh, more important than the one who gives it to us. It's amazing because the other, the other area that you see this is you see people today where they will worship the creation, not the creator, yeah. right? You see people all the time who are basically almost worshiping earth but they actually despise the one who created it. We don't see that as much in the church, but we do definitely see it in this area where this has become something that is to almost be worshipped. How many of you know this is just a resource? This is a resource. God is the one who provides it. He's the one that gives it to you. And we're going to talk about this for the next few moments because as we look at Scripture, you're going to, you're going to have a better understanding of this. Malachi 3.10, if you're going to talk on giving, you got to throw in Malachi 3.10 because it just, it's a rule. When you, when you go to pastor school, they say, hey, if you're ever going to talk about giving, you have to use this verse or we'll take your papers from you. No. Um, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields and, and, and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty." 
Now, I love that verse because throughout the thing, it keeps saying, God keeps signing his name. Did you notice that? He doesn't just say it once. He says it after each of those promises. Why? Because he wants you to understand because he knows this is an area that we're going to struggle. This is a thing where when you start talking about money, all of a sudden people start shutting down. But God said, listen, I want you to test me in this. What amazes me is how often people think that talking about tithe is a negative thing. And like I said, pastors will even steer away from it. But I want you to, I want you to look at this and I want you to understand this because God is basically saying, I dare you to bring 10% of what you have to the church. See, we were getting a lot of amens in there for a minute and now all of a sudden we... He says, I dare you to. And if you do, see if I won't open up the floodgates. If he is our source and he says, I dare you to become a bringer. I dare you to. And when I dare, it's not just a, I dare you to. It's a dare with a promise. It's a dare. And then he says, and I'll tell you what, you are going to be blessed. Things that would have went wrong for you won't go wrong for you. I will, I will throw open the, the windows of heaven. I will pour out on you what, you what you never would have had otherwise. And then he says, he says, even things that would normally happen to you won't happen to you. How many of you know that, that same promise is for us? Yep. Now you go, well, I don't have any vines, so I'm not really worried about that. But maybe what will happen is, is that you become somebody who's like, you know what? I'm going to quit worshiping this, and I'm going to start worshiping him. And out of that, I'm going to put my trust and my hope in him, and I'm going to believe him, and I'm going to take him at his word. And so I'm going to become somebody who brings into the church what I'm supposed to bring in, and I'm going to be faithful with what God has told me to do. And maybe as you do that, what you'll begin to see is your car won't break down when it would have otherwise. Yeah. Your roof will last a little longer on your home. We don't know what God will do, but we do know that he promises. So either we believe him or we don't. Either we take him at his word or we don't take him at his word. So the God who owns it all dares you to become a bringer. And then he promises you that he will pour out blessing on you. Now, that's why when, when people will say, I don't want to talk about giving, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to talk about it? Like some of the best promises have to do with our faithfulness in this area of our lives. So when we avoid the ask, we also avoid the promises. And I don't know about you, but I need all the promises I can get in my life. I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to avoid any of them. If, if God says, do this and I'll do that, then that's, I need to be there. Because there is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to reap what he wants me to reap inside of my life. If we believe that God is our provider, then we should also be thanking him for the provision on a regular basis. And as we begin to thank him regularly for the provision, then all of a sudden we begin to realize, and it's a constant reminder to us, that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is the one that, that is the one that will meet all of my needs according to what? His riches in glory. The God who owns it all has the ability to take care of whatever I need today. And so as I put my hope and my trust in him, then all of a sudden now I, my perspective begins to change as I begin to be grateful for what he's already done inside of my life. 
So my question to you tonight as we talk about a mindset shift is, are you entrusted or are you entitled? Entrusted people know that their source, know their source and they give thanks. They live thankfully. Entitled people only see their need and will often even manipulate circumstances to get more. Let that sink in for a minute, eh? Entitled people rarely say thank you. They show up late. They leave early. They might do what they're asked, but they won't do it with the right heart. So I want, to, I want you to stop right there, and I want you to ask yourself honestly, what am I? Am I entitled? Am I somebody who's entrusted, or am I entitled? Am I always trying to make it so that I can have more, even if it means someone else has less? Entrusted people see everything they have as coming from someone else. God has called us to be entrusted, not entitled. He's called us to trust in him and to understand that he is our source. And when we do that, all of a sudden, our perspective changes. Imagine with me for just a moment if when my, when my boys were younger, if I would have been at home and, and my wife said, hey, we need a few groceries. Can you send the boys to run, to run to the store and go get them? And so I pull out a $50 bill and I hand it to Hunter and I said, hey, you guys, this is what we need from the store. I need you to go and we need some eggs and we need some milk and we need some bread. And, and nowadays that would eat up the whole $50 right there. Um, <laughs> And here's a couple other things that we need. And so if you'll just take this to the store, and then, and then of course, Hunter would ask the question, uh, what do I get to do with the rest of it? And I'll go, you know what? If there's any leftover, you guys can do whatever you want with it. It's fine. And so they go to the store, and they come back later, and, they, and you can tell they've been eating ice cream, and they, and they got a bunch of stuff in a bag. And I'm like, okay, just put the groceries up there. And they're like, yeah, this is stuff for us. This is our snacks for later on. And I'm like, okay, but where are the groceries that I asked you to get me? And they say, oh, yeah, we decided not to do that. We decided to use the $50 for stuff we wanted instead of the stuff that you wanted. Am I happy in this moment? <laughs> Am I going to trust them again with another $50? Right? But as we look at this, what you need to understand is for many of us, if we understand scripture, we understand the way things work and we become somebody who is entrusted, then we understand that God is the source and he gives to us and then he tells us, hey, these are the things that are important to me and whatever's left over, you can do whatever you want with it. But for many of us, we just go do whatever we want with it. And how much more will your Father in Heaven want to pour out on you if you're not faithful with what He's already given you? If we believe God's Word, then we are to be stewards, and He is the owner. Now, for some of you, that word steward maybe doesn't make sense, but what it basically means is manager. You, we are managers. So God owns it all. And he trusts us with what he gives us, and we are to manage it for him. So if, if that's the case, and we're to be managers of what God has, and he's giving it to us, and he's saying, I'm going to trust you, and I trust you so much that I'm actually going to let you do with it whatever you want, but he shares, this is what's important to me. 
I mean, if you know, if you have a good manager, the manager is going to listen to the owner. And he's going to do what the owner asks so that he'll be trusted with more. Right? I heard a preacher one day tell this story, and he was saying that there was a man in his church, and the man was talking to him about tithing, and the man had, had just gotten a new job and, and was making a lot more money. And he said to the pastor, he said, he said hey, uh, he goes, man, tithing is really cool, and it was easy when I wasn't making as much, but now I'm making a six-figure salary, and so it's really hard to give that amount. And the preacher, without missing a beat, looked at the man, and he said, well, thank you. Now, now I know what to pray for. He said, I'm going to pray that your job will cut your pay to where it's at a place where you're comfortable to tithe. Some preachers are mean, man. You're lucky. I'll guarantee you that dude pulled his checkbook out right then, right? Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13, says this. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So we're going to continue reading just a second, but all kinds of greed. So not just money greed, but sometimes our time is what we're greedy with. There's all kinds of greed, Jesus says. Verse 16 then, uh, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm uh, that produced fine crops. He said to him, what should I do? I do not have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So I want you to understand in this story, God's not upset that the guy's rich. He wants you to be rich towards the one who gave it to you. But this man became entitled. God does not want you to be entitled. He wants you to be entrusted. He wants to entrust you with, with whatever it is that you need. Thing is, is I, I know that there, I'll guarantee that many, if not almost all in the room, have at some point prayed or asked or thought, you know, God, if I was to win the lottery. And, and when you're going to do it in like a spiritual way, God, I'll even give 20% to the church if you'll just let me win the lottery, Right? Okay, 30, God. Okay, I'll give you 30, right? And, but here's the deal. God loves you too much that if you, have an understand, if you don't understand how to be entrusted, he's not going to bless you with, with great wealth because it will destroy you. You'll get to a place like this guy in the story who just said, hey, I got it all figured out, so now I can just sit back and relax. And not have to worry about it anymore. Maybe you sit in the room today or you're watching online and you hear me preach this and you say, oh, our church just wants my stuff. 
Well, that would be true if I believed that you were the source, but you're not. God has always and will always be the source for this church. I teach this because if I don't teach it, God will. He will bring an illustrated sermon into your life. So I would rather you learn from my words rather than his lesson. Why? Because he wants you to grasp this. Because if you grasp it, you set yourself up for success in the kingdom. You set yourself up for success in a way that only God can do it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6 says this, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valley and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the gift that we forget about the giver. Sometimes we can be so excited about the stuff that we have that we forget who the provider is. Goes on to say, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you on this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, entitled, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. We need to today just take a moment and remember where God brought you from. Some of you, your story is incredible because God brought you from, from Egypt. He brought you from a place of slavery. He brought you from a place where, where you were downtrodden. He brought you from a bad place and now God is continuing to work in your life and he's showing himself to be faithful. And so inside of this, now that you're, you're, you're in a place where you're beginning to eat and feel satisfied. You're beginning to feel like life is good again. Don't you dare forget the one that brought you out of Egypt. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness and thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought, out, brought you out water out of a rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that at the end you might, it might go well with you. God wants it to go well with you. He wants good things for you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, wealth, comfort, and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nation the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So who's bringing them out into this good land? It's God. He is the source. It says to praise him for what he has provided. 
Don't get, don't get trapped in the enemy's mindset that says, well, I'm the one that gets up at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. to go and work, and I'm the one that, that, that toils and makes things happen because God is the one who provides opportunity for you. Can I tell you, if all of a sudden God decided he didn't, that he didn't want you, he can, he can take the breath from your lungs. So every day that you wake up, you need to go, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for providing me with the oxygen that I need and the, and the ability to breathe it in. Thank you for the food that I'm about to eat. Thank you for the job that you've provided for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Why? Because that's, that's the sign of an entrusted person, not an entitled person. says to praise him for what he has provided. We need to praise for the provision, uh, praise the provider for the provision. Do you bring with reluctance or with relationship? See, reluctance is, well, I guess I gotta feel guilty now. Let me tell you something right now. I'm gonna just say this. I'm preaching this because it's a promise and it's true. And I've seen it in my life. So I'm not preaching you something that, that, that we don't do. I'm preaching you something that when we learned it, we realized the power of it. But if you sit here and you're like, I'm skeptical, they're just wanting my money, then don't give. Don't. Because your heart's wrong, and then, and then you won't reap the benefits of it. We got to bring it out of relationship because if we really believe that he is our provider, that he's the one that is our source, he's the one that gives us all that we have, then when he says, hey, bring 10%, and not only that, though, then also know who I am and what's important to me because you're managing his stuff. Amen. I'm going to ask Ethan... Would you come up here for a minute? Come stand up here, buddy. So Ethan, I have here a hundred bucks. It looks like more because it's, you know, we, we did ones, but you know, <laughs> we don't want to go crazy with this illustration. Um, so we have a we have a hundred ones that are here. And uh, so if if this is mine, and I say, hey Ethan. I want to give you this money, but there's two things that I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask that you be accountable to me for what you do with it, but I'm also going to ask that you get, and one of those things is I'm going to ask you to give 10% to the church, okay? So here it is, all right? You, this is, and I'm not taking it back from you. This isn't like a card that we give to our staff on, on Saturday nights. Um, uh, but the only thing I'm going to ask of you is then I'm going to give you my email address because on Friday, I want you to email me and tell me what you did with it. And it's your money, so you can do with it whatever you want, okay? I'm trusting you with it that, you will, that you'll at least do the 10% thing. But I also want you to know things that are important to me. Things that are important to me are like the Grace House and, and Teen Challenge and, and what's that? Child Bridge is important to me. Um, <laughs> any other nonprofits want to yell out right now? Come on. <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean you have to get, you want to put some in savings, you want to 
go buy you know, dinner tonight. I don't care. You can do whatever you want with it. I just want to know what you did. Okay? So at the end of this, now that's a pretty good deal for you, is it not? Well, well give me that back. <laughs> Somebody else wanted it. That's a dang good deal for you, right? Okay. Uh, you can go sit down. Uh, give him a round of applause. <laughs> now, with that, illust- I've got board members going, what is happening right now? Are you giving out money? Everybody look under your seats right now. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are super disappointed in this moment. Saying <clears throat> Oprah, people. Um, but as you look at it in those terms, that's a good deal for him, right? Like he can take the hundred bucks and he can, and, and I'm not telling him he has to give it to any of those organizations. I'm not going to be disappointed in you if you don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to make a decision. The only thing that I am asking for sure that I'm saying 10%, okay? After that, you do whatever you want, but I, I'm going to ask you to just email me and tell me, hey, this is what I did, Okay? That's a good deal. God does that for us every day. He says, listen, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm even going to give you more than you need. Some of you today are like, nah, that's not where I'm at right now. But then my, my question to you is, if it's not where you are right now, are you being faithful in this? Because God has made a promise to us. If the floodgates aren't open to you right now, then then you need to pray and say, God, why are the floodgates not open for me right now? And don't get me wrong, because it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. If you give your 10%, doesn't mean that God's got a check that's going to come in your mailbox every time you give in the offering. Can he do that? Yeah. Has he done that before? Absolutely. But maybe for you, it's not going to be that you're going to become like wealthy because that will destroy you. But maybe, again, your tires will last a little longer. Your car won't break down. You know what I mean? God, he's faithful, and so we got to trust him that he'll do what's best for us as we're faithful with what he's given us. John 3.16, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to, it's not going to be up on the screen, but it's a verse that probably whether you've gone to church or you haven't gone to church, for God so loved that he gave. Why is that important? Because God showed us that with love, there's action. So when somebody gets up here to take the the offering and they say, yeah, I struggled in this area, it's natural that we struggle in this area because it's one area where we feel like we can maybe do better than God can do with it. If we're being honest. Like, hey, I'll use it the way that I see fit. But I'm telling you right now, it's not about the, it's not even about the money. It's about the heart. Because God so loved that he gave. And when we say, I love you, but yet we hold back, then we're saying something different. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm almost done here, verse 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, some of you are sitting in the room and you're like, okay, first of all, you're asking me to give, 
and I'm struggling with that, and now you're telling me I gotta be happy about it. <laughs> so, so maybe you start and you're like, I'm not super happy about this, but God, I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna give. And God, change my heart so that this isn't hard for me to do. And when you do that, now all of a sudden you're going to see because God is not a liar. He said he would, so he will. So you watch what God does, and now all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was pretty cool. And now the next time, how many of you write checks? Probably not too many check writers in there. Some of you. Okay. The next time you get on the app and you, and you send your money or however you do it, it's a little easier. And then the next time it's a little easier and a little easier and pretty soon you can get to a place. When it says God loves a cheerful giver, you may not start super cheerful. But like everything else in our faith journey, we should work towards being cheerful then, right? Like there's a lot of things that we read in this book that we don't start there, but we move towards there. So if you're saying, I don't know that I can be cheerful, then, then just say, God, I'm going to give, and I need you to work on this so that I can do this cheerfully. When, when Jason got up here and said, we're taking tithe, and people began to cheer, some of you were like, this place is crazy. <laughs> They're literally asking for money, and people are cheering about it. Why? Because I understand the premise. I understand the promise. I understand that he said, test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates over your life. So if I believe that to, to be true, then why wouldn't I become a bringer? God is saying, bring it. Watch what I do. So when people are cheering, it's because they've already learned it. They've already went like, hey, I became a bringer, and look what God's doing in my life. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So as we look at this scripture, what I want you to understand is that we can get to a place where we begin to worship money instead of worshiping the provider of the money. Money is a resource. And here's the thing. Your bank account can be huge right now, but how many of you know that even over this last year, two years, we've watched what a dollar is worth become a lot less. And that's hard to watch. It's hard to see the the price of things going up and gas is going to go up even more and all this stuff and to where all of a sudden this thing that we thought, oh, I've got this amount and I'm going to be okay. And then all of a sudden things change in the world and what we have shrinks, not because of anything we've done, but because of just the way the world works. And now all of a sudden, now instead of having hope in the future, I have fear because the thing that I put my trust in now is worth less than it was a year ago. But if I put my hope and my trust in the provider of all things, then it doesn't matter if the dollar becomes worth a penny. It doesn't matter to me because the dollar is not my provider. The God of the universe is. So what is your source? Is your stuff your source? If so, you will always be worried about it. If it's all about what I have and how do I hold on to it and how can I get more? 
then you never get to enjoy this life that you're in. Because you're always fighting to just get more for yourself. But if all of a sudden you go, you know what, God? I'm holding everything that you've given me, I'm holding it with an open hand. And I believe that you're going to pour in what I need when I need it. And that you're going you're gonna to take away what I don't need. And you're going to help me to learn how to give to people who, who maybe are in need or to, re, or to places or to ministries so that I can just hold all that you have with an open hand. But my hand will always be open because I'm going to believe that you're always going to be pouring back into it. Because if you're holding everything like this, guess what? There's not room for what God wants to do in your life. People within the sound of my voice right now are in all different places when it comes to this topic. There's some of you that you're like, I don't even need you to preach this because I've been doing it. And I, I get it. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I hope this is just a little refresher course for you. There are some that right now, you're, you're even in your mind right now, you're going, I don't know if I'm going to come back to this church. Because I don't want to be in a place that's all about money. We're not all about money. We're all about his promises and his commands. And if we shy away from these, then I do you a disservice because you miss an opportunity to be all that God asked you to be. You miss an opportunity for you to show God your heart in a way that's harder than a lot of ways. So tonight we're going to close with just a little bit of worship in just a moment. Our prayer teams are going to be available. If you need prayer for anything, you are welcome to come up and they'd love to pray with you. I guess the way I want to close this tonight is, is really what we're talking about is not money. We're talking about heart. So maybe you're here and you've been, maybe you've even been here through the perspective series and, and you're hearing some stuff and you're, and you're beginning to understand like, Man, I got to start living my life in a way where it's not about what's, what's happening in this world. But everything that I do needs to be about what's happening in, in the next life. I need to store things up there because that's where they'll last. Whatever that looks like for you, whether that's a finance thing, whether it's a time thing, whether it's just a, a perspective change that says, man, I got to start trusting God. Some of you are fighting battles right now. And, and even when you say you're going to pray about it, you don't actually believe that prayer does anything. Like you do it because it's what you're supposed to do. Well, I call myself a Christian, so when I'm having a hard time, I'll say that I'm going to pray, and maybe I'll actually pray, but I don't know that I believe that anything's going to change because of my prayer, so I'm going to just keep pushing forward with my own plan and my own agenda to try and make things work out inside of my life. And for you, you need to come and just say, God, will you just meet me where I am and help me to, to see things the way that you see them? To put my trust and my hope in you. Because you are good and you are in control. You will never leave me or forsake me. I wasn't planning on saying this tonight, but earlier this afternoon we were in the room and, and they're, they're setting up cameras in a different way so they asked me to stand up here and so they could test the lights and whatever and Nikki was in the room and she said she said hey give me some biblical knowledge and so I, I the first thing that came to my head was the verse 
When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. I haven't preached that verse in a long time. But it was years ago that I was looking at that verse, and I just feel like somebody needs to hear this today. I was, I was looking at that verse, and if you go back to the original, you find that when they translated it into English, they put the comma in the wrong spot. So we read the verse like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The comma's in the wrong place. It's supposed to read like this. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. She even asked me, she was, oh, are you going to preach that tonight? And I said, no, I'm not going to preach that tonight. I lied to her. I wasn't planning on saying that, but I really feel like some of you need to understand the greatness of your God. Because that comma makes a big difference. When the enemy comes in like a flood, feels overwhelming. He's never overwhelmed by the enemy. So whatever's going on in your life, in your story right now, understand that when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. Whoever that is that needs to hear that, I want to just challenge you tonight to own it, to trust it, to believe it. And if you're struggling to believe it, then say, God, help me with my unbelief right now. Because he is faithful and he is good and he loves you and has amazing plans for you. I want to pray over you. We're going to worship a little bit more. The altars will be open. You can come and just spend a little time saying, God, seal this in me. God, we're so grateful because you love us so much and you have such amazing plans for us. And God, even as we talk about a topic that many people struggle to hear and even preach, God, I, all I know is that it's a promise. It's a promise. So Lord, I, I want to know your promises. I want to live your promises. I want to experience your promises. So God, I pray for those who will hear this and maybe this is an area where they struggle. I pray, God, that, that, the, that they would come to a place of submission and understand how good you are and how much you love them. And God, whoever it is in the room and those who are in Star Valley and watching other places right now, that, God, that they would hear that when the enemy presses in, you will, like a flood, come. You will come. You will be our protector. You will be the one that stands for us. You will be the one that, that destroys the plans of the enemy. So God, help us to know that and to change our perspective. That God, we won't, re we won't live in a way where we feel like we can be overwhelmed or overrun by an enemy who actually is powerless when it comes to your children. Help us to walk in the victory that you already won. God, we give you all the praise today. Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we worship? The prayer teams are available if you want prayer. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.